The intro music that you hear today is called Transcontinental Bayao. It's the theme music for the Masa podcast, and it was composed by our guest today, Juliana, and her co-host, Skylar Weldon. It's based on Jaimundo Sodri's song, Amasa. Welcome to the Brazilian Beat, episode 90, with Juliana Cantarelli Vita. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. This is Diana. <laughs> I forgot who I was. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Courtney. Good evening. Hey, it's been a while. Yeah, it has. We're still here. Don't worry. We're still here. Juliana Cantarelli Vita is a PhD candidate in music education with an emphasis in ethnomusicology at the University of Washington. She's also a member of the Orf Echo Editorial Board. Blending her interests in music education and ethnomusicology, Juliana has presented papers and given clinics on the topic of multicultural sensitivity, Afro-Brazilian drumming traditions, children's musical cultures, and gender and music. She has received research grants from the American Orf School Association for the work on collective songwriting at the Yakima Nation Tribal School and the Canadian Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council for the work with repatriated recordings. She is a recipient of the Elizabeth May Slater Award from the Society for Ethnomusicology for her paper on the topic of archived field recordings featuring children. As a clinician, Juliana has given more than 50 workshops in the U.S., Brazil, and Europe. Inspired by her experiences and connections at Nassau do Maracatu Porto Rico, she helped launch and currently directs Baki Mare, Seattle's Maracatu de Baki Virado Ensemble. So one thing that her bio doesn't talk about is her work on a new podcast that she's involved with called Masa. The website is essifoymasa.com, is that correct? Yeah, essifoymasa.com. Just a little bit about that on their website. Their goal is to offer accessible, comprehensive conversations about Brazilian music in terms of their specific sounds, as well as the cultural and historical circumstances that give them meaning. This podcast, Diana and I are both big fans. They they do a lot of awesome deep dives into the they do. In, into these different music styles of Brazil. So if you guys are listening to this, you're going to love that. So Yeah, so again, the most recent episode as we as we record this is about Marica 2. So, uh, Jibaki Virado. So, <clears throat> so right up your alley. Yes, it is. Everybody. So, <laughs> if you're Marica 2 fans. <laughs> so good to have another group in the area. Um, Marica 2 PDX has been on hiatus for a while and I and uh, her group has been uh, just starting to get together again so hopefully our two groups can meet up again I feel like there's a few market two groups popping up around the country like there seems to be more and more interest in it oh yeah definitely yeah it's cool so another thing we'd like to promote is Hichimo Solidario China Duestacio is collecting donations to buy food and all the food goes to members of Samba School Batterias who are in need right now during the pandemic. As most of you know, the pandemic is really, really bad in Brazil and a lot of people are out of work and he is doing amazing, amazing work. He sends us videos every couple of days of them passing out food to different um, people and 
It's just a really important program. So please consider making a donation. We have his information, how to donate to him through PayPal on our website, but I will read it out here. So if you go to PayPal, put this address in C-H-I-I-N-A-B-A-D-A-L-O at gmail.com. So please consider um, if you have a little extra money, um, please consider giving to them. It's definitely and, worth it. Or if you have any ideas about how to spread the word or how, yeah, you know, yeah. anything like that, um, feel free to email him if you, you know, obviously uh, in Portuguese, but there's all kinds of translator apps yeah. that can help you. So, yeah, feel free. We just want to uh, put the word out. So Sheena has been doing some awesome work and um, maybe we should have him back and... Mm. See how it's going? Yeah. Yeah. Good Give idea. an update. Yeah. A way you can um, help us with this project, please tell your your friends about us, about the podcast. Please share on social media and, and follow us on social media. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment. And uh, you can also, if you have the means, join our community of support at Kofi slash The Brazilian Beat. And that's all. There's links to all that on our website. But um, please give to to Sheena first with uh, Hichimo Solidario. That's that's definitely more important right now. So thank you all that have uh, been part of this community of support. We really appreciate it. At gosamba.net I say we, but it's really me. Received a huge <laughs> shipment of drums from Brazil, and so those will all be going up on the website soon, so check it out. Gosamba.net Can you give us a sample of what you got? I got some kaishas. I got all the kaishas. Oh, I got some towel rolls. That's new. Cool. I got a bunch of straps in the different colors. I've got some of the um, the, the popular uh, wider straps, the comfort line. <laughs> so they're easier on the shoulders and some straps for uh, chimbao. So you can stand and carry your chimbao. Heko hekos, panderos, and a bunch of heads and things like that. So got it all. Just in time to go outside and play. Mm-hmm. And I'll be getting two more shipments. So. Oh wow! Exciting. <laughs> I know. It's kind of crazy times at the uh, international Gosamba headquarters, <laughs> global headquarters. All right. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. Good evening, Diana. Hey, Courtney. How's it going? Good. How are you? Very fine. Doing very well. Um, and I'm excited about tonight's guest. Me too. Tonight we have Juliana Cantarelli Vita. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. Um, I'm glad to be here. So, uh, Juliana, could you introduce yourself and uh, let our listeners know what you're currently doing and what your musical projects are? Right, so I'm uh, currently a PhD candidate at the University of Washington in music education slash ethnomusicology. Um, our program here is really a hybrid between both fields. Um, I I have a few projects happening at the same time <laughs> as I'm trying to finish my dissertation. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot going on. <laughs> yes, um, but I. Um, I have um, a helped lunch. I don't really want to take on the the one name um, 
but I, I helped launch uh, a, a Maracatu group here in Seattle. We're Bakimare, and that's one of the projects um, I launched with a with a colleague, with a friend, Skyler Weldon, a podcast called Masa, uh, Brazilian Music and Culture, where we examine different recordings and we explain context, um, not only of those recordings and the influences, but also the context where the music, where these traditions come from and why they exist and how they've resisted um, time and, op and oppressive, um, you know, a, a, history, a history of oppression and things like that. So um, beyond those two projects, I, I have a band <laughs> with, <laughs> with a friend uh, from Iceland, also another immigrant, and um, he, we're both songwriters, and we oh, cool. we had been talking about our our experiences as you know unexotic aliens here in the U.S. Since aliens is you know that's the name that we are given on um, our immigration papers. We're all aliens here, those who are not born here. So. So as um, unexotic aliens, we have, um, we've been talking, we had been talking about our experiences um, and we decided to sing about it. <laughs> so I have a band called Kriya. In Portuguese means to create, and in Iceland, so this friend is from Iceland. Kriya is a bird, um, uh, a migrant bird that migrates mm. from the northern, um, the Arctic re uh, regions to the um, South American oceans, and then back to the Arctic regions. So we thought that was a 
fitting name for our uh, my yeah. band. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. And then what do you what do you play in that band? What's your instrument? Oh, so it's a band of two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we play we take turns playing uh different instruments, but I my main instrument is violin. Um I I studied in a conservatory since age 10. Um you know, Western art, European music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but, and then I, I went, I lived in West Virginia for three years because I was really interested in, um, old time bluegrass, you know, oh, all that really? jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I did my master's at West Virginia university. Um, oh. and I, be- and, you know, part of it was because I wanted to get involved with the old time bluegrass community. And so just that to explain the instruments that I play in the band. So I play violin in the band, more in a, in a country, old-timey style. Um, I play the keyboards. I play guitar. And I play percussion. And, and so percussion is this other part of, part of my life that has been a part of my life since, since, you know, since when, when the violin became my main instrument. So I, I feel like I've, I've had... I've had those two lives, um, musical lives, living in parallel. Yeah. Hmm. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. So many things. Um, could we go back to your um, background and where you're from and, and let us let our listeners hear about your stories from home? Sure. So I was born and raised in Recife, Pernambuco, in the northeastern part of Brazil, um, and if you're familiar with um, with string instruments, Pernambuco is just like Pernambuco, the Pernambuco wood that makes both. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I was born and raised there. I didn't grow up in a particularly musical family, but my family was very involved with local traditions, um, with local cultural tr- traditions. My The region where I come from, is very rich well i feel like brazil wherever you go there's just so much um in terms of musical cultures and um manifestações culturais that's how we we would call it um i don't really like to to use the word folk because mm-hmm. i don't i don't think that makes um justice to what these traditions are and there's a lot of that's a heavy word um so the you know, because of because of these vibrant communities um, that existed in 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 my state and in the city that I grew up in, um, that was very much a part of my upbringing. So even though my parents weren't musicians, my dad taught me how to play guitar. Um, you know, we had those old. I don't know if those those were a thing here in the U.S., but in Brazil, we used to have magazines with chords was that a thing here a what like, no. like little magazines that you would have songs and then the, the chords for those songs yeah 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 they would yeah so we had uh thematic magazines and um yeah so that's how i learned how to play guitar with with my father but other than that um cool. yeah he was my more in the context of where I grew up in and in my my own um, searching for for music. And then how did you 
how did you transition to the violin? Um, so I've always wanted to play the violin for, for some reason. Um, when I was three years old, I asked my parents if I could if I could have a violin as my, I don't know, birthday gift, Christmas gift, I don't know. And they thought I was too young and they, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a particularly rich family. So they were like, yeah, this is an investment. We, we want to make sure that you really want it. You really want it. So, so, so that we don't buy something that we can't really afford anyway. So, um, long story short, I, I had a sister, um, and my sister got sick. And when my sister was sick, my parents were kind of running around to try to make ends meet and to take care of my sister. And so they <laughs> enrolled me in this school. It was a, it was a, a public arts school because in Brazil, you just go to regular school for one mm-hmm. period of the day. So you don't go, it's not like here that you go morning and then you have lunch there and then you go home after lunch um you have classes after lunch you either go in the morning or you go in the afternoon so i would go to regular school in the morning um as a six-year-old and then in the afternoon i would go to this public arts school um where we would have um you know popular popular uh dances class uh, dance classes and um music classes and visual arts it was it was like a you know in art school for, for children mm-hmm. and that's when I I, I finally uh, was able to you know de- develop some kind of formal music education and um, a little after that that's when my parents were convinced that I deserved a violin <laughs> <laughs> and so and so I with my you know my, my, my first violin teacher was actually a popular musician. We didn't know that, but um, she she used to play habeka, which is a mm-hmm. um, yeah a traditional fiddle like um, instrument. And um, and so I think she's also guilty of me being so in love with my local traditions because mm-hmm. because we would go I don't know see her play and the way that she taught me was very much like. Here's Western art music that you need to know because we're doing Suzuki method like every child in the world. And here's other stuff that you also need to know that happens right here in your in your backyard. So I was really lucky to have studied with her, Aglaia Costa. She's um if you watched um Auto da Compadecida, that movie, it's a famous movie in hmm. Brazil. Um she's the the Habeca player uh, in that hmm. movie. I was gonna ask if you had if you had picked up Habeca too, if you play that, um, I do, but not, I don't own one. And when you, it's a total, it's a totally different gig. Um, mm-hmm. It's a different way of holding it. There's a, it, yeah. it's, it's totally different. So, um, and you know, hold, the bow, the the bow is a lot slow, uh, smaller. So, oh, I, would I didn't say, know it was smaller. Oh. Yeah, it, it, because it's it's not like you know, when I, I, I said it was like a fiddle and I know in, in my own brain, fiddle is just like, yeah, it's just, it's shaped, it's shaped like a violin. It's the same size as a violin. And the, the Habeca can actually be smaller, thicker. It's like, you know, the, the wood, um, doesn't, isn't necessarily tr- uh, treated and you don't play under your chin. You play it on right. your, yeah, mm-hmm. on your, um, uh, your your shoulder so the bow needs to be a lot 
a lot smaller because it's a lot more, it's a lot a lot more percussive than uh, than a violin. So <laughs> this is a long answer to say yes, <laughs> I can I can play Habeka, but it's yeah. Um. Yeah, but I I would need I would need a few minutes to refresh. Um, just to transition from having a long bow to a short a shorter bow. Right. Um, given that I haven't played in and like holding it on your arm and stuff. Yes. yes, yes. Good good friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. um, Mark Machina. He's getting super into Habeka and nice. Wants, nice. wants there to be a Habeka scene in the United States, but I think it's only like him and like a couple other people yeah. that actually play it here. <laughs> and have well, an actual one. And have one, yeah. 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 Right. Yes. Well, let's make it happen. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Habakeros. Yes. Join Habakeros. up. Yeah. <laughs> Univus. <laughs> uh, very cool. So how, um, I'm curious, um, so you went through school there in in Brazil, and then how did you end up in Seattle? Um, I, I so I first went to West Virginia um, with a, a scholarship from the Brazilian government back when we had a wonderful government, not the one like the one we have now. I don't know how mm-hmm. political we can get in the podcast, but fora <laughs> Bolsonaro uh, and um, the. I had a scholarship to, so we, we universities had partnerships that, um, that two universities in the U.S. had a partnership with two universities in Brazil, UFRJ in Rio, in, no Rio de Janeiro, in Rio de Janeiro, <laughs> um, <laughs> and with UFPE, the one in Pernambuco, in Pernambuco, and here it was East, East Carolina University and West Virginia University. So. Um, I first came here in 2010 um, as an undergrad. I was a sophomore oh, in cool. undergrad. And I studied with this woman, Jeanette Robbins, and her whole thing was like bringing the world to the classroom, um, you know, um, in a respectful way. And that's really what my, my, where my heart was at at the moment. And I wasn't even, I wasn't really thinking about my own traditions, you know, my the traditions that lived and existed in my own backyard. But I was thinking about, you know, I was really enamored by Basque traditions, you know, the, all, all those instruments and um, and traditions from Afghanistan. And um, so that's that's what I that's where my heart was at was at at the moment. You know, I, I was thinking how how can can I do this in a respectful way? So that's how I, I got to the U.S. in, in, the, in the first place. And I, I did this ex, little exchange thing was like six months. And then um, the way it worked was um, three Brazilian students would come to the U.S. for for six months. And then three American students, uh, North American students, would go to Brazil for six months. So it was That's like cool. psychos. What was that program called? Music Alive. Um, it was sponsored by Capis and Fipsi here in the U.S. Um, hmm. yeah. well, our last um, guest, also from Hasifi, or is he from Olinda? Off the top of my head, I can't remember. <laughs> I remember. Uh, he also went there. Um, to West Virginia University? Yeah. Yes, and did this program. 
who, who he was a percussionist, uh, Claudinho Santana. Claudinho Santana, yes, he he did the <laughs> exactly like the exact same program, but he <laughs> he went he I think he was the the first he went in the first group. Oh wow! In twenty two thousand and nine, I think was the first group. That or sounds about right when he went. Yeah, and then I I wasn't I was in the last group in two thousand and ten. Um, oh. Yeah, Claudio, yes. Small world. <laughs> well, yes. The music world is small, especially when... <laughs> it's concentrated on yes. this. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, so from there, um, I went back. Uh, th- this person, Janet Robbins, this professor, said, oh, really, wanna, I want you to come study with me, um, but I'm reti- I'm about to retire. So, you know, as soon as you can, uh, we can we can find you a uh, graduate assistantship um come whenever you can and so i went i went back there to do my masters and um it was while while i was there i learned about this thing world music pedagogy that was developed by patricia campbell who is my current advisor here in um in washington here at university of washington so that's how i got here (laughs) so since you came to the u.s to go to west virginia you haven't returned to brazil to live so you've been here full-time no, I, oh. I went, I, I went back. So in 2010, I was here for six months only. And then I oh, went back okay. to Brazil and I returned. Um, so I, I graduated. I, I, I did, you know, und- I taught for three years in, in, in public schools and uh, in pr- primary schools. And then I came back in 2014 to ah. do my master's. So I've been here since 2014. Yes. But I had that break. When you did that exchange, did you know English? Yes. Did you been studying? I lo- yes, I, yes. Um, I didn't feel comfortable. I, I still don't feel 100% com- uh, comfortable. Um, I'm, I'm a lot prouder of my accent now and of, um, you know, the, the fact that prepositions sometimes make no sense in my heart like in the car on the bus <laughs> but I, i've been memorizing them right it's, it's gonna be like i don't know it's been seven years that i'm here it's it's about time for me to learn um, oh dude we know diana and i are in a portuguese class right now so we're we've got the reverse going yeah we're, at least for exactly. me i don't know about you diana but i'm just like okay wait what <laughs> we're learning subjunctive like why do you need an extra verb for that you can uh, just use the past tense you could just use the future like it's fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah your english sounds pretty good to me yeah <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> So, um, could you tell us a bit about UW and um, your your um, studies there? So at UW, um, my concentration is this interface between ethnomusicology and music education. So, really looking at how transmission happens in different contexts. Mm. Um, so, um, for instance, we um, since you know we 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 have this uh, maracatu connection. One one of the, the one of my first um, studies back I don't know in two thousand eleven twelve was 
looking at how children learned maracatu in the nações, um, looking at how bakimirinsh, you know, the, the children's groups mm-hmm. uh, were really teaching each other the music, but they also had the mestri who was teaching them that. And of course, they were enculturated by that whole tradition, grow, growing up in that tradition. So, so, um, so look at how different traditions are passed on. Um, my dissertation has nothing to do with Brazilian music because I don't want to be Miss Brazil. You know, I don't want to, <laughs> sure. I don't want to just do things that are related to my heritage. But um, we, I'm looking at, I was looking at, I finished uh, data collection and I'm almost done with my analysis. I just have to sit down and write it. But I'm looking at how children used archival materials like archives and um, recordings, especially recordings of children. So of other children, of other children. Yes. Of music created by other children. So, you know, singing games and, um, and, you know, some pop music, but mostly looking at heritage music that Mm. children from different countries um, recorded and how, you know, this kids in the United States were learning about these cultures through those recordings, kind of in a children to, from children to children um, way, you know, I was more as, uh, working as a facilitator. So I was working with my own kids. I taught music K-5, uh, kindergarten through fifth grade here in Seattle at Lorehurst Elementary. <laughs> and um, so I was looking at, you know, my, my, my kids were looking, were using these archival materials to connect to children from di- different cultures and different countries. And I was looking at how that, that exchange with the recordings was a means for them to develop uh, multicultural sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So that's a little bit of my academic background, if you will, like what I do at U- at, at UW. <laughs> one, of really, my, one of the facets of my life. That's really interesting. How do how do kids here in the U.S. did were they into that? Were they excited about learning about other cultures from the, from children? Yes. Um, yeah, and you know the uh, the deeper layers of that was thinking about appropriation and like like how kids were mm-hmm. using it in a respectful way that it wasn't going to be a problem to the culture of the origin so we talked a lot about you know if you, if you are going to create um because yeah the piece of this puzzle of my dissertation is agency so looking at how children create on their own um so we had a lot of conversation about Okay, if you are going to create with this music, what would you do? And if you, you know, if you're going to, to create a dance routine, say, mm-hmm. using this this one song, but what are the things that we need to keep in mind? Um, and kind of, I was trying to analyze not only their responses but what they did with it. So for traditions that were um, uh, that were more geared like geared toward vocal music for example there was this recording from uh Vanuatu um and the the girl who was responsible for that recording or who was uh, using that recording creating with that recording was really careful about 
trying to create something that encompassed the context in which that song happened. So it was a song about um, the the song is called Tuku 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 and then the the this girl was uh, the song was about the sea and how you know kids were working in the sea and and things like that. So this one girl wanted to create a soundscape with a recording with a soundscape of the sea. So she said she, she didn't feel comfortable creating a dance because that wasn't really dance music. So she wanted to be careful um, mm-hmm. not to create something that kids in that culture would feel, would think it's um, offensive. Mm-hmm. So that's the piece that I'm, that I'm looking at. And my, you know, that happened. Uh, I was in the middle of my data collection when COVID hit and school mm-hmm. buildings shut down. Mm-hmm. So we had to move the project online virtually. And there were some, some interesting things about it because um, for instance, one of, one of the kids was using a recording from the Venda children in South Africa. And um, she was looking for translations of this one piece. We had the lyrics, we didn't have translations and we wanted to make sure we knew what the song was about before she went on to use it uh, and to learn it. And uh, she said, Oh, I'm just going to put it on Google translate. And then she tried um, and there is no Venda isn't a language on Google Translate. Uh, hmm. And we talked about that. She was like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. I'm going to write to Google. Um, so we, we kind of talked a little bit about the white saviorism part of that, <laughs> of that <laughs> <laughs> phrase. But at the same time, uh, she said, oh, I don't know how I would feel if, mm, if my language wasn't represented on something that's so widespread and used like Google Translate. And so, so these are the pieces that I'm trying to look at. Um, I don't know if I answered your, your question, but um, kids are really into um, recordings from other uh, ch- children. And, and they thought it was really cool that it was other kids too. Um, the other part of it was that they wanted to write to the kids. Like, can we mm-hmm. write to them and say that we created this thing and then we can send it to them? And so there was this piece uh-huh. of connection that was really cool. That's really amazing that they're so culturally sensitive and and uh, so into it. I I would have been <laughs> when I was a kid. I would have loved that. Yeah, exactly. Kids are a lot more open than we than we think, or I don't know. Maybe we don't think that. Maybe we already think that they are super open. And um, and it was interesting too that we that was happening um, while the. Black Lives Matter protests were happening mm-hmm. here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And so the final pro- project, if you will, I don't really like that word, but the final project that they did was a podcast, <laughs> was a <laughs> three-minute podcast about their recording. Um, and several of the girls, even those who weren't ne- necessarily um, working on recordings um, of kids who were, you know, who were either black uh, children or children from um, African countries, even kids working with recordings from like Finland. I don't know. Um, they dedicated their podcast to the, to the black lives matter movement. So that was this other part of the podcast mm-hmm. that was really interesting. And I wonder uh, of, of this, this experience uh, that was interesting. And I wonder 
what would have happened i mean we we had to end because the school the school year was ending and i had to finish data collection at some point mm -hmm. but <laughs> i wonder what would have happened if we had uh, you know had we kept going um, right right you know which record because they were they were allowed to find recordings we were we were using mostly recordings from Uh, Association for Cultural Equity and Smithsonian Folkways Recordings and um, the Global mm -hmm. Jukebox and other resources that music educators have collaborated with uh, uh, culture bearers. And um, so w when the protests happened or started happening, they had already picked their last recording. So I, I really wonder what would have happened, you know, which recordings they would have chosen um, had we done this project um, had we kept going with this project after the protests were really big here in Seattle and they were so conscious right. about it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Shout out to your kids. Wow. That sounds like an awesome project. <laughs> They're awesome. They're awesome. We, we, yeah, they, yeah, it's, it's on them. You know, it's, it's really, it was really on, um, I don't know that they took it there, you know, as I, as I, I, I think I, I mentioned yeah, cool. it. Yeah. I was just, just trying to work as a facilitator and they, they took it there. Yeah. And you said you were, it was K through five, but what age were, what was it like one grade or all, all K through five? I was working with fifth graders. So okay. uh, d d yeah, the different fifth grade classes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, we've kind of on this podcast, we've, It's come up, and Diana have, and I have talked quite a bit when we um, are editing some of our interviews um, about cultural appropriation of, of Brazilian music outside of Brazil. And it's just so, we haven't, we've skirted the edges of it, right? And um, we would love at some point it, to talk to somebody to, that could elucidate it better than we can. And is a more appropriate person to, you know, kind of lay it out better than we can because, um, it's, yeah, yeah, and it's 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 complicated because it's like yeah. it really varies um, depending on um, whose tradition we're talking about and whose community group within that tradition we're talking about, right? right? Mm -hmm. So right, they're, yes. They're, Yes. There are di different levels of comfort and different levels of um, openness. And um, it's, yeah. And I think, I don't know, I'm not an expert on that, but I, I think one of the things, um, I don't know, to keep it, I don't know, to keep in mind is just that every context will be different. <laughs> and yeah, the, more, totally. the more specific, right. the better. Yeah. Yeah, without getting into like naming names, there's been a couple interviews that Diana and I are just like, oh, kind of like, cringing, like, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> oh, no. How do you approach that? Yeah. How do we? We don't want to sugarcoat it, but we've also. We also don't want to like just sort of flay somebody either. Like, I don't right. know, man. It's, yeah. But I mean, I think we've, and this can be totally off the record, all of this um, part. <laughs> <laughs> just i think it's important to keep it on the record honestly. okay i mean because we're not calling anybody out right i mean right 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 um people need to hear it they do they totally need to hear it and like especially you know when everything was happening like you were referring to the the protests happening 
all of that was happening, we started, uh, we were at home, um, we were at home protesting, we were at home podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it really came up. I mean, we were really thinking about it because so many of our friends and teachers in Brazil were in such a in such a state, you know, with this COVID thing and just could just kind of everything came into to place. It seems like, um, as far as, uh, making it really apparent that we really need to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. But how? Yeah. Yeah. We, I feel like we need somebody, I mean, like usually on it or, or someone who is, is like from, academic background and and has really studied it you know at a deeper level than just than just awareness (laughs) like right like diana and i have yeah anyway that that went that went a weird direction (laughs) (laughs) i i think it's totally important i i sometimes i feel like oh i don't know sometimes I've had I've had discussions, you know, conversations with other Brazilians about cultural appropriation with other Brazilians who are not um, in academic circles. I, and, and and I don't want to I don't I want to dis- I don't want to talk about academia like it's not an ivory tower. Like I don't want to talk about it like in that way. But the, I've I've had conversations with friends who are from Brazil, but that didn't have. I don't know, the time or energy to think about these issues. Um, let me put it that way. Um, and that, and it was, it was hard. So I'm, I'm just a little, I'm just a little hesitant to talk about it because they, you know, some friends were so um, defensive about it. And that, you know, I wasn't even thinking, I wasn't even talking about something they had done. I was, you know, thinking about um, some other context and we weren't even talking about Brazilian music. Um, we were, we, I, you know, I was kind of talking about things that, that I had been thinking about and conversation I've had with, with friends from different traditions. And I remember this one friend saying, you know, it's, it's not because something exists that that thing is available to be used and taken and, you know, recreated. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't, you know, we can't assume that, you know, we belong everywhere especially white people i mean i'm white in brazil so i'm thinking um here i, I mean i'm La- i'm latino whether i'm in brazil or here <laughs> but here i'm perceived more as part of a minority minoritized group mm-hmm. um but in brazil i'm i'm white and i'm doing all this work with with maracatu de baque virado which is rooted in in candomblé and it's rooted in afro brazilian um uh and ancestrality and struggles for social justice and you yeah, know the whole, right. the whole history so i i think constantly about this these things um i'm i'm just hesitant to, to talk about them because people get so defensive and and i there is of course the whole fragility thing and we have to kind of cir- cir- <laughs> yes. circumvent that to get to the point and it's like it's not don't take it personally we're not you know and i think that's something very common in um academic circles uh at least in the ones that that thankfully i belong to thankfully th- those are more open it's very common for people to bring up issues without taking it personally um like oh yeah you know there's this one thing that you didn't you didn't mention or you didn't think about in your 
practice or in your in, in your research, and maybe you know this thing could inform what you're doing, so you you can do it more care uh, carefully. So anyway, so that's why I'm I'm hesitant to talk, to talk about it. You know, people yeah, okay. that's why we're hesitant to talk about it because it's just so fraught from every yeah. angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fi find what you think it's useful from this past 10 minutes and choose whatever you want to <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's interesting we've been um you know we we have this connection in rio um this gentleman who you know once everything went into you know pan pandemic lockdown um all these folks from the samba schools you know that make their living from this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh you know had such terrible problems you know you just making ends meet and getting mm -hmm. food so he took it upon himself to start this program um just grassroots collecting money collecting food collecting all kinds of stuff to help the, his community his samba com community um so we've been like pushing that and like you know telling people you know a lot of you do this full time and you know please uh you know pay back oh, your teachers yes not yeah and some it's of important. them are making money off of it i mean some yeah people exactly are, that's know, why i say so it's like this is your chance to give back yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah yeah that's that's so important um and you know we were talking about academics circles and you know that's that's what people in, in academic circles need to do too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, totally. Especially, um, well, always, but especially in the in these times, um, the more the more we can give back, um, because we are even if we don't profit over it, um, we are we have the privilege to to learn it or to teach yeah. it, even mm -hmm. if there isn't a you know a monetary exchange. Um, you're you're being allowed to use it to play it um so i don't know i feel like it's a privilege to be able to play maracatu for example and to teach maracatu and um so so yeah so be real careful about about that and giving back it's like oh my gosh it gives me so much joy i need to give back and if we live in a in a, in a capitalist world and you know the world's upside down and we don't have um a government that helps people then we need to step up. Yeah, I totally agree with you all. Mm -hmm. Where were we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got totally, yeah. But I mean, it's good. I love, I, yeah. I mean, it's an exchange of energy, right? So it's like yeah. people take in Maracatu, you know, like someone completely outside Brazil takes it in and it grabs them, you know, grabs their soul, it grabs their heart and they love it and they get a lot out of it and they get a lot out of the community that comes up around it, like they're for their community group. And, and part of that energy exchange is given back, you know? Yeah. Yes. I've had friends say, I don't believe in cultural appropriation. And, I, and I was like, okay, I, there, there are people who say they don't believe in science and that's not... It's, it's, <laughs> And it's not because you don't believe in it that it doesn't happen. Right. Exactly. Just because you don't believe it doesn't make it not true. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, 
My friend Dev Nampy, I think before the pandemic started, was playing in your um, in your your Marketu project there in Seattle. Yes, yes, at Bakamade. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us about that? How that got going? Um, how how Bakamade got going? Yeah, how how um how that project got going? Because you. What I understand, you guys are connected with Puerto Rico. Yes. Yeah. And play that style, and yeah, can you tell yeah. us just tell us about that project? Yeah. Um, so it, here in Seattle, we have um, a group called Pub Pesquisadores um, Universitarios Brasileiros, researchers and students, Brazilian Students Association. It's 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 not the the Braza Association that's. Uh, the one that's most common. This is just a a group of Brazilians who live in the U.S. Um, who are doing their academic or trying to gauge their academic lives here, and um, and so we have monthly meetings, and one of us presents, and we either practice cool. uh, presentations um, that we are going to give at, at conferences or. Um, or things that we're thinking about, or things that are part of our research, but we we hadn't presented in Portuguese yet, so that it's a way to keep our, you know, Portuguese speaking community um, tied t- together and exchange. It's 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 really an exchange. It's, it's not a lecture. It looks like a lecture from the the format, but it's more of a of an exchange. Um, and so I I was giving I was. I, I was participating in in something like that um, when I was talking about the children's groups because I'm I was writing uh, uh, a chapter about how children learn um, and exchange. Um, I don't know. They transmit while they learn at the same time. Anyway, and they get and they are enculturated at the same time. Like there's a lot going on, and so I was I was practicing. Um, stuff that I was going to write in the chapter. I was like, okay, can I just have a run through with you all? Because I want to make sure that my ideas are, you know, make sense. And 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 so I had this presentation about Manakatu, and my my friends from this group were like, oh my gosh, can we start a group like this here in Seattle? <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's let's do it. Um, and some personal things happened, and I had to postpone it until. Um, honk. Oh yeah, yeah. When you guys played with Marika Two PDX, right? Yeah, and actually, we weren't a thing yet. Um, we played with Marika Two PDX. Um, uh, who was it? Rachel, John, Teresa. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if Jody played with with us at the time, but we we didn't know. Well, that's how I met Dev, and that's how I met the whole group, and um, and it was just like. What there are people in Seattle who actually know about Maracatu <laughs> <laughs> beyond these like I don't know twelve researchers <laughs> in like, you know and yeah we I mean beyond myself there is and there isn't any other um, uh, researcher or PhD student in the arts so it was like all these friends from I don't know engineering and mm. <laughs> and. Oh, yeah. Pain management. <laughs> <Just like, okay. laughs> and so when I met them through Maracatu PDX, so we I, I feel like we kinda exist 
the way we exist due to you all. So thank you for making You're that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, that was just, just that. It was it was a very serendipitous moment um, just because we had just been talking about it and I was gathering energy to kick off in the summer, um, you know, kick off workshops and whatnot to my friends, to these friends. And um, as, as just as a, as a, as a, as a, as a community group, you know, not, we weren't, I wasn't thinking about having a name or it was just like, okay, let's just get together and jam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I met Dev and um, Rachel and John and, and Teresa and, and the, you know, I had, that was that, just that moment. Oh my gosh, people know about this here. Let's make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had, um, we we had a I, I remember our, our very first rehearsal we had six people so it was like my husband and I <laughs> Rachel and John Dev and Teresa I think mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just us and um and the group started growing and um we needed to come up with a name I wanted to come up with a name that had something to do with Baki um just because the 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 other groups that I that I know um at least um have that just to to signify that's not a nacion that's not that's not a group that's tied to any ley to to, to a tejero to a, mm-hmm. a candomblé house uh it's a secular group and of course we talk about candomblé and, and of course we we make sure that we those who are playing know where that this tradition is coming from and that's a little bit why the podcast came together but that's another story but um <laughs> the um, so we decided on, on a name. We had uh, Teresa had this wonderful idea of like just brainstorm. Let's everyone let's brainstorm twenty names or something like that. It was like a crazy number. We ran out of ideas, and we were thinking about elements in the Seattle area. And uh, Baki da Shuva was the first name. We 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 had the rain Baki uh, Baki da Shuva. And um, I looked it up. I couldn't find any other group with that name. I was like, okay, great, done. It's gonna be Baki da Shuva. And then I realized that there was a group in Belgium that was called Baki di Shuva. And mm. I, I wrote to them. And at first, I think they were like, yeah, that's, that's fine. I mean, we're in very different contexts um, and, until um, someone tagged us on Instagram instead of tagging them. Oh. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, we need to think of another name. This is not cool. And so, and, and then I, I wrote to them to Baki di Shuva. And Baki di Shuva is, is also related to uh, Porto Rico, to Nação Porto Rico. So I wanted to be mm-hmm. extra, extra careful with wow. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, and that's when we decided um, uh, after many, <laughs> many names, we decided on Baki Mare, um, both thinking about the tide, you know, given that we live in a coastal mm-hmm. city, um, but also um, Mare, uh, thinking about Mare Alifranco, who was from Favela da Mare mm-hmm. and, so it all came 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 together um kind of organically if um yeah yeah so that's how it happened <laughs> and obviously you know we've been how long were you playing before the pandemic hit oh 6 months oh yeah. and you just had your first rehearsal i saw again yes oh my gosh <laughs> I got home and I, I might or might not have cried a little bit. <laughs> I probably would have done the same thing. 
And, you know, this weekend, um, there was also the intensive the intensive courts of Nação Encanto do Pina, which is mm -hmm. um, the Nação led by Mestre Joana Cavalcanti. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was pretty early in the morning for me, who isn't, you know, uh, <laughs> for us who are on this side of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, you know, just so good to have a weekend filled with maracatu, both online and offline. I think the we've been so during the pandemic, we we were just uh, talking about ways to give back and whatnot. And during the pandemic, we've done uh, workshops with Humaniki uh, Dantas and Dani Araújo, who are two batuqueiros from Nação Porto Rico, and we were doing online uh, workshops with them. I think I clipped online workshops with them, um, and uh, and I, you know, I just couldn't wait to go out in the street and kind of try the things that they taught us um, mm -hmm. at the end of the year last year. Yeah, I see he's doing another one in May. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We we're we're calling it a vivencia, like a, an experience um, mm -hmm. or a masterclass. We we decided to use both both words um, <laughs> because we couldn't decide on one. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like your last name. Exactly. <laughs> See the, the circle keeps going. <laughs> um, yeah, so the idea for this vivencia, for this uh, masterclass, is to have um, kind of groups or people from different groups across the world just come together and um, and kind of not only learn new bakis and new things from uh, from them, but also kind of come together and practice together, mm -hmm. like feel like we're in this <laughs> together, going through this together. Um, I don't know, making the best out of the situation that yeah. we're all online. Yeah, um, I'm not yeah it's, it's opened up a lot of things for a lot of people, um, definitely. Yeah, and uh, I was just talking with uh, Nação Encanto do Pina just now with uh, Roberta, and she was like, can we... Can we think of a of an intensive home in the U.S. just like the one we just had this weekend with, with Brazil? I was like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I was on a. Um, um, my teacher Pitoko was doing some interviews early summer. I think it's been. It's all hard to tell what time frame it is now. Um, but Joanna was on there, um, and I was telling her we need to get a workshop of abes of abezeras here in the u.s because she hasn't taught here so yeah let's work on that yeah and she teaches all all, all kinds of instruments uh oh she's yeah known, she's known for for the abe because she, um measure joanna really I, of course you know that <laughs> like she she was it's, the one who kind of kicked off the whole thing with abe bringing it from candomblé to to the public facing part of candomblé mm. which is maracatu yeah yeah she's I really know, great I'm preaching for the choir here. <laughs> yes. If you ever um, or, like organize a workshop or, or, or know about one, please let us know. Yeah, I mean, Diana's on top of everything, but but just to be sure, please let us know and we'll tell our our audience because people would love to be a part of that, I'm sure. Yeah, and, um, you know, for most of us here in the U.S. that have studied um, Maracatu, it's mostly been Estrada yeah. Um So it'd be interesting to get, um, you know, more Puerto Rico 
um, influence as well. Yeah. Yes. It, this is so interesting. And there is, uh, uh, there's some research on why is it that uh, most groups here play National uh, Really? Um, yeah. I can, I can research that. I can send you all stuff. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> about that. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's really interesting, you know, and when we're thinking about uh, transnational um, exchanges, I don't even want to use the word identity because it's more of an exchange. Um, there is a, there is a lot of uh, practical re- reasons why things happen the way they happen. And, with uh, Georges Martinsch uh, mm-hmm. coming to the U.S., so that's kind of, mm-hmm. in a nutshell, that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> but I can send you all um, stuff if you. Yeah, our our friend Alex up in Toronto mm-hmm. uh, was one of the first ones too who brought it to North America. He and his partner Alini mm-hmm. at that time, mm-hmm. along with Scott Kettner. So yeah, it's really interesting as far as like how that has spread. Yeah. Yes. One of the things that I've been um, talking with Mesha Joanna um, on Wednesday, we um, we were talking about uh, about this. I had a, I had a, a quick interview with with her. I was interviewing her, um, and you know she has a movement called Baki Mule. That's right. the, the 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 feminist group, um, Maracatu group, and I've been. That's a that's in the works. I would say <laughs> I've been mm. I've been thinking about that as like maybe a way to connect, maybe we could connect uh, Portland and, and Seattle through yeah. um, Bacimule. Because um, beyond the, the music itself, there are holiday um, Povetta, like we get together, we're sp- there's a whole regulation and what it means to be ba- part of Bacimule and how, and um, beyond the music, how we can connect as, as women mm-hmm. um, cool. and support each other. Yeah. That would be great. I was going to mention too, just, I remember just a friend of ours also who we interviewed from Japan is also part of Porto Hiku. Uh, he's paraded with them a couple times. Uh, so I'm sure he's going to be in on that uh, workshop if it's at the right time. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. So, the, yeah, the, all the time zones. And we were we were trying to add um, up to Belgium. So that's mm. the latest. So it's going to be like noon. Um, Pacific Northwest, and then like 9 p.m. Belgium. I think that was the best we could do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, know you can't Rob please Akari. everybody. Yeah, what yeah. Rob Akari did is he did one, he did two for each teacher when he did a bunch of workshops. So one that would work for like Asia, Australia, and then the West Coast of the United States, and then another one that would work for Europe. Oh. So he kind of targeted it to different, like, because he kind of knew where the Samba folks were and his connections. So he kind of targeted different areas and then did did two workshops. So it was like the Brazilians had to do one, like, in the middle of the night and then one, like, super early in the morning or something something like that. It was a crazy kind of a funny, funny, it was hard for them. Like, it was hard on them, but it was, it worked out for, you know, all the different people around the world. So, yeah. Well, that's that's a great great idea, and uh, we had Master Chacon. Um, I was teaching this class last semester, about two quarters ago, um, uh, Brazilian Society through Music or something like that, and 
um, we had Master Chacon as one of the guests. We 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 had different uh, masters, not only Maracatu. We had MC Manuteco from funk and um, Chico Santana is a batuqueiro um, of uh, uh, batucada. And so, anyway, and when we had Master Chacon, we had people from kind of all over the world and all all kind of you know different time zones because I think Nasa uh, Puerto Rico shared the, the, the poster or something like that and so it was just interesting to see all these people from different time zones and someone was like yeah it's 1 a.m here and uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my gosh thank you for being in our 3 yeah. p.m class <laughs> yeah i've done a couple of those workshops where it'll be like somebody in russia at like three in the morning or something <laughs> <Jeez>. yeah, <totally. laughs> yeah so cool yeah um, could you tell us a little bit more about the group? Are you, do you have section leaders? Is it to that point yet? Are you kind of teaching all the parts? How is that working for you? So at first, um, you know, because we had folks who already had baggage with, with, with Maracatu, um, we were dividing, um, up what we were doing. I, mm -hmm. I never wanted to be, I don't know, I'm not comfortable with, with, with labels that are exclusionary <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's more of an organic uh, or at least I like to think that we, we are more of an organic group in terms of, of leadership um, mm -hmm. so in terms of the music um, Rachel and um, Jody and folks who had done workshops with with Pitoku knew different patterns than we than I did and um, but I, I and I didn't want to exclude um, you know, all the, you know, the more the merrier, the more stuff that we have, we can play the, the, the better. So um, we divided up songs um, in, in that way. So um, Rachel taught us some, and uh, Jody and Dev taught us some of the things that they, they knew. Um, I added some stuff. And the idea was that the leadership would be fl uh, fluid. So mm -hmm. even for our, we had one showcase that was like our debut showcase in December and then COVID happened. But mm. um, even for that, that showcase, um, the idea was that different people would lead different songs mm -hmm. um, just so, because the, the whole thing is um, it's in, in my mind. It, it was important. It is important that the group exists, me being here or not, um, you know, and just, you know, the fact that, people already knew Maracatu and had experiences with it. And, and I think they, they even had like a side group to Vamola to, to, to the Samba group here. Yeah, they, would, they did. I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They would get together after rehearsal and, and, and play. Um, so I just didn't feel comfortable saying, all right, y'all, here we go. Here's Puerto Rico. <laughs> Forget all, you know, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And, and I, I also understand, and uh, I don't know. I love Seattle, and I would love to stay here in Seattle forever. So, if you're listening to the, this podcast <laughs> and you have a job for me, please hire me. <laughs> <laughs> but I also know that's not the reality of um, of how academic life works. Maybe, maybe I don't. I don't Never know. Never know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> maybe Portland. Yeah. Yeah. It's just right down the road. I, I'd be down for that. There we go. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so, yeah. So all of that to say, there, um, 
we don't have section leaders um, that are like official section leaders. Mm-hmm. We have folks who lead different songs. Um, and depending on on the songs, we have folks who, you know, those who think they, they know better help those who think that they haven't gotten there yet. Um, for the Puerto Rico songs, I had been doing most of the teaching of all the parts and um, and with the online workshops, it was it was just so great because then they were yeah. learning from the folks at Nacional Puerto Rico, and um, they you know they were learning all this all this material, all this stuff, and um, and so just uh, on Saturday when we went to the park, it was really fun to see you know Rachel leading uh, a Kasha part um, from Puerto Rico and t- 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 uh, teaching the other. Uh, Kasha players is like okay, right on, awesome. You know, so yeah, definitely. So, so thinking about it more organically, more dynamically than just like you know, and and so, sometimes I um, I don't lose sleep over this, but I think about this a lot, especially you know, right before bed, and you're like thinking about all the things that could be better in your life, and or you you could do better. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm one of my anxieties was was that like is this is this at some point not anymore but is this system working should we have like specific people doing specific things um or should we just keep this organic this beautifully organic movement going and i think i like this organic thing (laughs) yeah if it works keep on doing it you can also like if you decide you know if it gets like really big or something and unwieldy you could change it or you know it's not like you have to keep it the same way the whole time like use the tools that work for you in the moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right on. Yeah. I just feel like I, you know, since I, in my heart, I feel like I will have to go at some point. I'm, I'm, I was, I've been trying to think about like how to do it in a sustainable way that it doesn't just depend on, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. On that energy coming from me. Side note, are um, Rafael and Ursula playing with you guys? No, no. Um, we just re uh, we just restarted this weekend. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They, and it's um, yeah. I was yeah. just going to say they they moved. I think last summer from Portland to Brazil, to to Brazil to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because uh, Rafael actually went to school with my husband. So they. Oh really? Friends. Oh wow! They've been friends for more than twenty years. Oh he my was, goodness, that's crazy. Oh, cool. He was the best man in our in our wedding. <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, they're so sweet. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. They're sweet. Funny. Wow. I'm telling you, the world is small, you know, yes. between Claudio and Rafael. <laughs> Funny. I wanted to know, uh, you how did this association with Puerto Rico develop? Did you... Had you gone to their workshops in Brazil or? Yes. Um, so in 2011, uh, 2011, I started playing with them. Like I, I went to, to their um, weekly weekly officinas, the, the workshops at, at the Nassau. And then in 2012, um, well, in 2011, I actually uh, paraded with them as a mm. princess <laughs> <laughs> um, because I was just, 
starting. I already uh, already played percussion at the time, uh, but I didn't play mar- maracatu as much. I was mm-hmm. playing um, more like xylophones and you know classical percussion, but not really. We used to play shoro. It's it's mm-hmm. complicated because it's it, you know even Western European derived music in Brazil is very much related to our own roots. So it's all mingled together but all, all of that to say I didn't play maracatu so I and I wanted to have these experience with the mestres um and then Tassizu um invited me to to come to the the workshops with Nacional Porto Rico and I did and um at the time I I had just got um I I got this grant from uh, another grant from the Brazilian government at the time that they had grants for <laughs> <laughs> for the humanities and the arts to um, understand how teaching and learning practices happen. So this, you know, just we're going back to, to, to that conversation, but just understanding how the mastery was teaching the groups, um, not only the the rhythms and the patterns and the lowage, mm-hmm. but the tradition and the context and, um, and the meaning, you know, it's a, it's a centuries worth, worth, um, of meaning um it's a tradition loaded with meaning so i I was i was curious to know how he was teaching that and so um and so i got yeah so i i I did this under we call it pbiki it's like an initiation to research so it's a a a really basic like (laughs) it was a really basic um research project just to get started in learning how to do research. It was more that. But I was really interested in, in playing <laughs> at the time. <laughs> they coincided. Yes, it was, it was an excuse to, <laughs> to spend more time with them. So I did that uh, through the time until I moved here. So 2011 through to 2013, more or less. Mm. Early Great. 2014, yeah. Yeah, that's how it happened. <laughs> Nice. I want to talk to you about this podcast that you guys started, uh, Masa. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. Um, you guys have put a ton, it's obvious you've put a ton of work into it. You um, put a lot of music in there. You talk about different things. I, I'm really, really enjoying it. And shout out to Skylar, who isn't here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that um, that you're enjoying it. And credit giving credit where, where credit is due that was his idea you know he reached out mm. we've, we've known each other from conferences and um from ethnomusicology conferences and um he reached out in september 2020 um and he was like hey i've got an idea for a podcast let's do it and i was like <laughs> let's do it <laughs> <laughs> and he explained the whole idea behind uh well what he had in in mind and um you know having something uh, some resource that um those who are familiar with Brazilian music or those who are not familiar with Brazilian music can get a sense of these traditions um and yeah and and so we did when we decided to start with Candomblé we were like okay we need because the the idea was like okay let's start we start with Candomblé and we'll go to Samba because Skyler's research is really that area. He he's looking at opening um, the the show the concert um, 
um, in, in the 1960s, right before the dictatorship hit. And um, we were thinking, all right, let's go. We'll go Maracatu and then we'll go Samba right after. And it just could not be that way. It, it, you know, the way that it, things evolved, it was just like, okay, we'll, we'll, oh, you, you guys don't, you haven't listened to the, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> we've recorded, sorry, <laughs> we've recorded eight episodes already. <laughs> we just released three. I just realized that I'm talking about episodes that have not been released. <laughs> We're we're current up to the ones that are released, but not to the ones that are unreleased. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But yes, so just giving <laughs> credit where, where credit's due. That was, you know, his that was his baby. Um I jumped on on the train and um tried to I tried to make bridges to um communities that um, I you know I had I, I knew people from and um just tr tr trying to make it um as much of as an um insider's point of view or insider's story as as possible, um, you know, thinking about positionality, thinking about being an outsider, an outsider or an insider, and just making it um, respectful and sensitive. So, yeah. Yeah, it's great because you, I think the, the time uh, is perfect because you don't overload with a ton of information for somebody who maybe might not have the full story. So I think the times the time frame that you have is great, and um, that uh, yeah, I just love the episodes yeah. and yeah. how they work. Uh, how you work in like contemporary music, the context that uh, yeah, totally. people can understand, I think, is great. Well, thank you. Yeah, because a lot of our popular music, you know, our popular music, and and I mean the music that's played on the radio, um, is rooted or brings element a, a lot of a, a lot of that music bring element brings elements from these other traditions that are traditions that have been you know have struggled or have been oppressed throughout Brazilian history and once those traditions get to the radio of course you know there is a little bit of, of the meaning that's lost of course that's like that's how things work but our yeah, our intent was just to kind of tie things together and and show mm -hmm. how how things are connected. Um, yeah, great. I'm so glad to hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, everybody, go listen to this podcast. We'll put links. In yes. The show notes. Yeah. Yes. Listen to both of these podcasts. <laughs> yes. Now we need to have y'all over to the podcast. <laughs> Oh man, no! You guys, are, I think I think Diana was right though. You guys have done a good job of of taking. Um, you, know, you guys are both academics, right? But you've you, it's such a digestible form of of what mm -hmm. you're of what you're showing, and then yeah, having the popular music in there too is just yeah, it's 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 really cool. It's stuff that I would have liked with this podcast to dive into, but we just don't have the knowledge or the resources. I feel like to. To pull that off. I'm just so happy somebody stepped up and did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you all are bringing, the, you know, more in-depth conversations. Um, you know, I, and I feel like, you know, we, we complement each other. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I it's think so mix. too. I mean, we call our podcast getting to know the Brazilian percussion and music making community one interview at a time. So our, like the, the idea behind it was just to, like you said, dive deep and get to know the, the person behind it. But you guys are doing 
you know, like sort of the the other side of it. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just so good. I got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it. that last one where you where Skylar was breaking down the um the bell patterns and such. Yes. That was great. That yes. was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's and it's something you could listen to like a whole bunch of times. Like it, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, and might hear different things from it each time. Yeah, uh, one of my friends is a is a midwife, and um, and she's been it's she was the first one to listen to it um, after we released it, and she our first review, um, like personal review was like she was coming from a birth um, at two a.m. and she was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that was like the perfect thing, the perfect thing to listen to coming from. <laughs> coming from a birth and I I, I like forward that, that to Skylar is like look at this wonderful review and he was just so confused he was like did she give birth and then she was listening to my <laughs> and I was like oh no sorry I forgot she's she's a midwife she's perfect for birthing babies yes <laughs> we have we have a running joke in our podcast off air about this like <laughs> you know the slogan for our, our our podcast should be you know perfect for 2 a.m listeners who are coming from birth <laughs> podcast to give birth by yeah <laughs> yeah I don't think anybody said that about us yet. <laughs> yeah, we haven't gotten that one. No. <laughs> no. Well, I'll I'll send it to her, and I'm sure she. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, without giving any spoilers, uh, what other topics might you cover in your? <laughs> Sounds like Marika too and Samba. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we decided. So, at first, we thought we were going. To Manakatu, and not right after Manakatu, we were gonna go to Samba. Um, but that's not not how life happens, mm-hmm. you know. And just organically, I, I don't know. I feel like everything in my life is kind of organic. Like things just happen. <laughs> um, we we were talking about Manakatu, and Skyler didn't know much about Manakatu, and I explained to him, "Is like you know, um, there is this this other kind of Manakatu, Manakatu Bakisoto. So when we mm-hmm. talk about Manakatu, let's make sure that we say that's Manakatu um, yeah. and we're not talking about Manakatu Siarensi at all, because there's this other kind in Siara, and that's mm-hmm. totally different. It's a different tradition." And then he said, "Why don't we do?" <laughs> it's, it's it's funny because he's just as. Uh, how do I say this? Megalomaniac as I am, like just like <laughs> let's do twenty thousand episodes. <laughs> and then he was in. I thought, okay, we'll we'll do one episode on both Maracatus, and we will explain both in one episode, in like, like a, a fifteen-minute episode, and then we move on to Samba because that was the original idea. And he was like. No, why don't we do like a whole episode on yeah. Marca de Bacurado yeah. and a whole episode? And I was like, okay, okay great. Um, let's do that. And so it turns out that we, we did one full episode on Marca de Bacurado. Um, and for those who are Marca that's going to feel like it's uh, surface level because that's where we uh, we want to be at right now, you know, with um, with what we explain and the, the patterns that we explain, but we're using two popular music recordings. Mm-hmm. 
and you'll have to wait to listen to what those recordings are going to be <laughs> and then kind of explain where, where those patterns are coming from, from which not sound those patterns are coming from mm -hmm. and whatnot. And so awesome. we are, we have that episode on Maracatu de Virado. Then we have an episode on, on um, uh, Mulher, And that's mm -hmm. the one that we, in, we interviewed Master Joana. Oh, cool. Uh, for and we interviewed Amy Medvik. Uh, she played with uh, with Alimi actually, mm. um, and Alex um, in Toronto. She's from mm -hmm. Toronto, and um, she was doing her. She's doing her her PhD at uh, Tulane University, and she's looking at um, Maraca, like archival stuff of Maracatu um, Nacional, and so and looking oh. at uh, transnational groups and things like that. So it's 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 really interesting. So we we interviewed her for Bakimulier. And then we have an we have two episodes on Maracatu de Bacisoto. I'm telling you, like we got we got a little we went a little overboard. Um, no, no, you didn't. I want to hear all yeah. of that. It sounds so, awesome. Yeah, and so we for the Maracatu de Bacisoto episodes, uh, we have one episode that we um, interview Mestre B. Um, who is a master from uh, mm -hmm. Nazaré da Mata from Estrela Brilhante de Nazaré mm -hmm. da Mata. And we interviewed Chris Estrada. He's um, he's done uh, research on the poetry of mm. Maracatu de Bacisoto um, and the sambadas and things like that. So we have one episode on on the music. We have one episode on the poetry, and we kind of explain the different po uh, poetic forms and whatnot. And And then we're not going to Samba anymore right after those. We, we decided to stay in the Northeast. <laughs> Cavallo Marino? Cavallo Marino could, could have been next. You're, you're right on track. Um, and it's, uh, it's going to be uh, June by the time that we release those, these, these episodes. Like we, mm -hmm. um, we, we try to record um, episodes like three months in advance. So by the time, yeah just mm -hmm. as an or, or organizational um, uh, stuff. And so um, we have the episode, um, we have episodes on Fashla Junina, on the rhythms of oh, Fashla Junina, mm -hmm. right after Bakisoto, because we're making our way into the, the countryside of the mm -hmm. Northeast. So cool. Just when, when it's, uh, for when we release, just when it's uh, Fashla Junina's, uh, the, the June festivities season. Mm -hmm. So, We're like, okay, Samba, you can wait just a little bit. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so we're we're gonna wrap up the north wrap up the northeast. Oh gosh. We are going to do a few more episodes on the northeast uh, for the past four or five-ish months and we'll then move on to the to the southeast with, with Samba. We wanna have an episode on uh uh Samba de Roda and Capoeira and then make our way. To the southeast. Cool. Does it make sense? Massa. <laughs> Massa. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And I wanted to say, like, on uh, uh, the episode when you featured Fabiana Cosa, she's awesome. I don't know if you've ever met her, but no, she, taught at, she taught at Brazil camp, our last oh. Brazil camp, whenever that was. Oh. And she is amazing. She's, she's so just, cool. yeah. Um, yeah yeah and so yeah I've been a fan for so long and yeah her music is amazing so yes I was so happy to hear her on there oh, awesome <laughs> do you have any additional information that you'd like to share with our listeners 
events that are coming up, when projects. Is your, when do you graduate? When are you done with your PhD? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. If you are listening to this podcast and you're, you are, you, you're getting my job applications, I'm about to. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, truth to be told, I have, um, I can graduate soon if I, if I need, um, but I'm here on a, on a student visa. So if I graduate, then I have to leave the country. I have, and I don't have a job within 30 days after graduation. I have to leave. Days, wow. Yeah. It's kind of, it's rough. Um, and so I'm on this catch 22 moment right now because it's like, I need to graduate. I'm ready to graduate. But then if I graduate and I don't have a job yeah. already on the line, then bye bye Juju. So um, so the plan, the real plan, if I don't find a job for fall 2021, uh, which is likely not to happen, um, then is to, I have, I have an assistantship through next year still. So I'm, I have, fun, I have mm. funding for one more year. So the, the, the plan is to graduate in June, 2022. If, if I, if I, if, yeah, if nothing happens, um, yeah, so that's the current plan. Um, I I have four chapters done of my dissertation <laughs> out of the seven that I want to write. Um, seven, wow. You're getting there. Yeah, I'm getting there. Word by word is what I, I tell my fellow dissertating uh, friends, you know. Um, and if I, if you know, the, the extra, the seventh chapter is actually an extra chapter just because I, I will likely have time to write. If not, it it's just gonna be like in a in like an epilogue. Um, mm. If if I need if I need to to graduate, it's just because this whole virtual thing was really interesting. Yeah. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. planning on it, and because it happened, um, and you know, all the, all those things I was just talking about how the the kids had this pot this mini podcasts, and I can share the podcasts with both of you yeah, I mean I can yeah. I can I cannot share it publicly but I can share it with both of you mm. um that's within RAB um expectations mm. but um so because of that I I decided to to add a seventh chapter about that online experience and um kind of the what else came from that so mm-hmm. sorry for the long answer I about graduation <laughs> And I can't wait to meet you both in person. Yeah. Sometime soon, hopefully. Yeah. You have to come up here and come play with us. We have extra instruments. <laughs> in a normal summer, I'm up in Seattle quite a bit for different different events and things. There's a yeah, whenever nice normal comes back. players from Seattle here and... We go up there and hang out. Yeah. And I've never been to Brazil camp. I really want to go. Uh, one of my friends, uh, uh, Rebecca Kleiman. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. She's a good friend from a, from a few years back. We go we go back a few years. And she she um, she stayed with my parents in Hazipi. Uh, oh, really? One Christmas, I think it was 2015, 2015. She stayed with them for Christmas and New Year's Eve. That's kind of, it was very she was very sweet. Uh, she is very, very sweet. Yeah, she is. And she kind of introduced me to the Brazil music scene, Brazilian music scene here in Seattle. I, I mean, Adriana uh, Jordano and Jovino Sanchonetto. And mm-hmm. um, 
the whole Encanto crew. Um, when I first moved, so I, I moved to Seattle July 2017, and um, she she came in July, um, and she was like, okay, y'all, meet my friend Juliana. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so Rebecca has always said, you have to go to Brazil camp. Um, and I've never been able to make it. So hopefully after, when things go back to normal. Yes, hopefully so. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, thank you so much. This was fun to talk to you. Thank you. Uh, it was so great to get to know both of you. And uh, I really can't wait to give you both a hug. Yeah, Once a real it, one. <laughs> yeah, the real one. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed that conversation with Juliana. She was really great to speak with. Um, and just so informative. Um, I really enjoyed that <laughs> chat. Yeah, me too. Um, so if you'd like to know more about her, we'll sh- be sharing her um, social media information. You'll, you can see her links, obviously, mm-hmm. if you're on our website. If you're not on our website and you're listening somewhere else, go to our website and you can get links to Essie Formasa, Pakimare, and Ju's personal um, sites couple of shout outs we have um one is to cam siegel who put on a really cool workshop with the two mestries of salgueru on saturday last saturday and no, that's dana great. montero was was um who has a strong connection with salgueru um episode what episode is he that was early yeah 18 or something he um was translating so he was there got to meet him face to face for the first time well i mean through zoom but <laughs> that was cool uh, yeah, it was a really cool workshop. So Salguero, I had no idea that these two new mestries have, have changed the Kaiser patterns and they were kind of showing us what they were doing and they've got a whole flam buzz thing in there and buzz, buzz in the left hand. It was like, holy cow. <laughs> it was cool. It was like, yeah, it was interesting to see that things are changing. That's, it was a great, it was a great workshop. So Good work, Cam. So he has started a group in Eugene at the at the music school there at U of O. So um, he's also a PhD candidate and has been taking lessons with Dana and is just, they're all fired up down there to get things going. So fun. Yeah, it's cool. Um, also another shout out to Gabriel Policarpo. He put out Hippikis du Mundo volume three, I think he's calling yeah, it. So um, it's a video... <laughs> It's, it's a video with all, all these different people who play Hapiki, all his students all over the world. We all contributed videos, and he had um, had them all put together professionally into this final product. It turned out really cool, so uh, shout out to him. See if, see if Courtney smiles in this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of comments. You need to smile more. It's <laughs> a little tip, like, just don't tell people to smile more. Just, exactly. Just don't do that. <laughs> A tip from Courtney. Uh, um, a, a shout out to our old friend Jeremy Parker. Aww. And I hope he's doing well in his uh, lessons that he's taking right now. Uh, we were talking about some stuff he was going to do, so I won't divulge what he's taking lessons. What? Should I? Jeremy, is it okay? He's taking bass lessons for Full Hall, so that's pretty exciting. That's exciting. Watch out, Bay Area. (laughs) (laughs) It's about to get funky. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we skipped Portuguese word of the fortnight, but I've got 
a Portuguese tip of the fortnight. Oh, let's hear it. Okay, so if a letter, I was always confused about this, or if a word starts with the letter R, or if it has a double R in the middle of the word, it has an H sound. Bam. I had never quite known the rules on when it had an H sound or not. I just kind of tried and, and probably got it wrong a lot. But anyway, there you go. There's the rule. Like Faha. <laughs> like Faha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are a lot of people teaching lessons. Um, the Duetto guys, Lucas and uh, Erberch, they teach fantastic lessons. Our um, good friend Dudu Fuentes um, is teaching online uh, and he speaks English. So that's that's. Um, Makes it good for a lot of people. Uh, Gabriel Policarpo is teaching lessons. Batuki Digital. Um, all of those guys are teaching lessons online. And those those are really reasonably priced. Talita Santos, of course, has her online course. And uh, Tayani Kataneji is teaching Shokayu. Mm-hmm. And Pitoku, is he still teaching? Um, Pitoku, yeah. If you reach out to him, he does teach online. Awesome. Um, he doesn't have a current course, but yes, he's um, very much into... Uh, teaching private lessons right now. Also, cool. um, Chiago, also from Estrella Bianchi, who's also uh, Contramestri with Pitoco. He's also teaching online. Um, as Juliana mentioned, um, the folks from uh, Puerto Rico are doing workshops. They were having a big one this weekend, um, but I'm sure they'll continue to do so. So just yeah. reach out. Definitely. Well, that was one thing with Jeremy. He was like, oh, I want to take lessons. And we're like, well, reach out to this guy. I bet he's teaching lessons. And Jeremy was like, oh, no, he's too big time to teach me lessons. But it turns out, no, like he was totally available and wanted yeah. to teach, teach. So reach out to your hero and they'll probably... You never know. Yeah. Yeah. They'll probably hook you up. One so. of one of my, my husband teaches and he has a, a student who's think going back to the east coast um for the summer but he's taking drum set lessons with somebody from well an american but he's in italy so it's like awesome yeah so that was pretty cool so yeah, yeah reach out to people they're willing to teach yeah do it <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody thank you for listening take care out there hope you like that one ciao